Okay, morning everyone, those here, those on Zoom. We, Parsha Shaya Sara, special Parsha. Before we start, we want to dedicate today's shir, today's learning for the Rafur Shlema of Sarah Bat Oraf. She should have a Rafur Shlema and successful surgery and so on. Main only good things. Um, it's also in Israel, it's a special, I don't know what they're doing this year, but it's a special Shabbos. They have Shabbat Hebron. Thousands of people spend Shabbos in Hebron because this is the Shabbos where Avram Avinu bought, he bought Hebron. He bought, he bought the Marasa Machpela. So let's just begin as we always do with a quick overview of the Parsha. It's just a few stories. It's of course the passing of Sarah and the burial, the buying of Ma'arata Machpela and so on. A large part of the Parsha which we're going to talk about is the Shidduch. The marriage between Yitzchak and Rivka, the first, a long story and the first recorded wedding in the Torah, meaning the described wedding in the Torah. Later on, um, Avram Avinu takes another wife, Keturah, although Nefarshim tell us, Chazal tell us, that she was Hagar and she came back, had more children with Avram Avinu. Later on in the Prasha, we learn about the passing of Avraham. And then towards the end, we learn about the children of Ishmael. And his death. Um, interesting, interesting pasuk over there. Just by the way, we read when Ishmael died, it uses the same terminology as it normally uses by tzaddikim. Uh, but tzaddikim, it doesn't say he died. It says vayigva, he like expired and he died, so to speak. Right? That's an expression only reserved for tzaddikim. It uses exactly the same expression by Ishmael. And Chazal tell us Rashi brings it down that he did tshuva. Um, Ishmael did, did Shabbat dead. Okay. So just a very quick look, first of all, at the very beginning, the first Pasuk of the Parsha, that's not what I want to talk about in great detail. just want to sort of just quickly gloss over it, and then we're going to go to the main topic. I'm just going to share the screen, first of all. One second. There we are. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's a Rashi in the Swiss Rashi, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he had really had children, and we still uh, have Tzoros from his descendants, but, but he did show, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry about that. I wasn't thinking. Here we are. Okay. So if you have a look at number one there on the, on the handout, we have the very, very first Pasuk, Vayiyu Chaya Sora, and the life of Sora was Meyo Shona, a hundred years, Esrim Shona, twenty years, Sheva Shonim and seven years, Shnei Chaye Sarah. This is the life of Sarah. Let's have a look at the Rashi. Rashi says, Vayuchaye Sarah, Meyo Shon of Esrim Shon of Sheva Shonim. Rashi says, Lakach Nichtav Shona Bekol Klaul Oklaul. It separates the word Shana, it repeats it after every unit. In other words, the hundreds, the tens, and the ones. A hundred, it doesn't say 127 years, it says 100 years, 100 years, 20 years, seven years. To tell you, that everyone has to be interpreted on its own. What does that mean? We learn about Sarah, first of all, we learn that when she was 100, she was like 20, with regard to transgression. Why? Because just like a 20 year old is to some degree is free of sin, because we find in the Gemara that a person is only fully responsible. When, um, when turns 20. I mean, the responsibility starts from Barabat Mitzvah, but really only fully responsible when they turn 20. The same thing when she was 100, she was clean, as pure as she was when she was 20. And when she was like 20, she was like seven in terms of beauty. In other words, Sarah was a very beautiful woman and a very holy woman. Okay. And then the Pasuk ends and says, it repeats it at the end of the Pasuk, it says, Shnei Chaye Sora, these are the life of Sora, it repeats it again. It says Rashi, what does it mean to say? Kulon Shovin Latoiva, because they were all equally good. This is an amazing thing we find by Sora that even though they weren't equally good, meaning that there were some ups and downs, that she had plenty, plenty of Tsaras throughout her life. Uh, she was captured in Mitzrayim, she was childless for many years, and she eventually had a son, she had Tsaras from Yishmol, who was threatening Yitzchak and so on and so forth, but nevertheless, she was able to be real simcha. The Zara talks about this a lot, where um, she was able to be really 
find simcha in every part of her life to the point where kulon, shavin, letoiva, they were all equally good. Yep. Just a, a very short thing, I'm not going to go into the depth, but just a very short Kabbalistic thing. The Kabbalah says that, that this three divisions in the Pasuk, Meyar Shana, Esfim Shana, Sheva Shana, 100 years, 20 years, 70 years, refers to three sort of levels within the person. There's a level of rotson, which is like conviction, desire. There's a level of, that's 100. There's a level of seichel, which is intellect, that's the 20s. And there's the, then, then there's the seven years, which is the seven emotions, right? And the idea is that they all have to connect. A healthy person, a holy person, a person who's righteous means that what they do is that they, that they live in such a way where what they have in their heart in terms of conviction then plays out in the way they think and then plays out with the way they feel and that makes up the whole person. Kulon, Shavin, Latoiva, they all become equal and they operate together. Okay, that's just a short little thing that I wanted to... Now, what we're going to do is we're going to go a little bit into the story of the Shidduch of Yitzchak and Rivka. As I mentioned, it's the first... Shidduch, first marriage that is that is told in great detail in the Chumash, right? Just a, a little bit of just overview. So we know that Yitzchak was after the Akeda at this point. He's forty years old. He's after the Akeda. Um, Avram Avinu says it's time to marry him off. Calls Eliezer. Hashem had told Avram Avinu that Yitzchak shall not leave the land of Israel because if he was like holy, he was like a korban, a sacrifice. After the story of the Akeda. So Avraham Avinu calls his servant, his faithful servant, Eliezer, sends him to his family outside of Israel to find a Shidduch, does not want the daughters of Canaan, and so on. And Eliezer goes, he takes a lot of camels, he takes all of the riches and the wealth of his master with him, so he could show what he's got to offer, so to speak. Comes to the well, we know that many tzaddikim found their Shidduch at wells, water, Separate discussion, but that's, that's what we find. He makes, he davens to Hashem and makes a sign. He says, the girl that comes down, I'm going to ask her to give me to drink. And if she says, both, I'll give you to drink and the camels, that's the one you've chosen for Yitzchak. It, Eliezer somewhat criticized for making such a sign because who knows who can come out. It might be a very kind person, but it might be a person that's not a good shidduch or, or a person that's deformed or whatever the case is, right? It might not be the one that he wants to take. But nevertheless, it works out well. She comes out, Rivka comes out, she fills his jug, she gives the camel, she becomes the wife of Yitzchak. They come back to, the, uh, to Yitzchak and they marry. Yitzchak takes her to Sarah's tent, it says, all the miracles that happened in Sarah's life, in the tent, which is the cloud in the tent, the blessing in the dough, and the candle lit from one Friday night to the other, all come back, all return, and they live in Eretz Yisrael. Okay. Now, we know that this story, as it's told in this week's parasha, is extremely significant. Why? First of all, it's arichus, it's told in such great detail. Right? Every detail of the story, the way he spoke to Basuel and Lovan, every detail is told in the Torah. Not only is it told in detail, but it's repeated. Right? Because we learn every detail about how he came there, and the camels, and the davening, and, and the sign. And then he made, and she comes out, she's a daughter of Basuel, the sister of Lavan. And then he goes to the house. And what does he do? He repeats the story, but we have it in the Chumash. It doesn't say that, it doesn't say as we would normally say in the Chumash, that Eliezer introduced himself and he told them everything that had taken place, which we already know what that is, because we just read the story ourselves. It doesn't say that. It says, he introduces himself as Ebed Avram Anochi, I'm the servant of Abraham. And he says, and my, my master called me and he told me to find a shidduch and I came there and I, and I took the camels and I made a sign. And he says the whole story all over again, right? Which the Chazal pick up as being a fascinating thing because we know that Torah Shebich the written Torah is extremely brief. So much so that we have volumes and volumes of halachas, right? That are taught in the Torah, in the Gemara, which are learned out from nuances in the Chumash, Right? I mean, take Shabbos for example. Shabbos is, is, is a thick volume of Shulchan Aruch. It's a whole Masech to Shabbos, a very, very long one. Volumes and libraries have been written on the laws of Shabbos. All from what? From a few verses in the Torah. An extra Vov here, an extra this here, an extra thing there. We know all these things from, right? 
because that's the way the structure of Torah works. So we have Torah Shmachsav, Torah Shmachsav, Torah Shmachsav is cryptic, it's code form, Torah Shmachsav extrapolates. And here suddenly, there's this unbelievable detail and repetition for which Chazal tell us, the famous idea, Yofes Sichoson shall bote avde ovois, Yosem Yuteirosen shall bonim. It seems like the normal talk, the every day-to-day talk of the, not just the Patriarchs and the matriarchs, not the Ovis and the Mois, but the servants of the Ovis and the Mois are more precious than the Torah of the children. Because the Torah of the children, we need one or two words to learn mountains of halacha. And here we have servants with such arichas. So that's, that's one level. But, as the Farshim point out, that's true, but why do we know that lesson? Why do we need to know that lesson from this particular story? You know, it answers why something that's got to do with the slaves of, or the servants of the Ovois and the Imois would be more detailed than the Torah of the children, but it doesn't explain why in this story. What's significant about this story? So I want to share with you a number of ideas on two levels. First of all, the first level is this. It's a fundamental story. Okay? Why is it a fundamental story? Because it's the first wedding. No, let's, let's, let's backtrack for a moment. Avram and Sarah also got married, but we just learned that Avram married Sarah. We don't know any detail. And the reason for that is because Avram and Sarah married before Avram really became Jewish. What I mean by that is when we talk about Avraham being the first Jew, in other words, when the story of the Jewish nation begins, is post-marriage of Avraham and Sarah. It's when Hashem appears to him and gives him the first mitzvah, Lech Lecha Me'artzacha, go, 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 as we learned in two weeks ago, right? That's really when the story of the Jewish people begin. Before that, Avram was a really good person. He discovered Hashem. He was spreading monotheism. But he didn't have that special neshama. That's what the Mepharshim explained. We, really where the story of Avram begins is Lech Lecha. Which is why at Lech Lecha, Avram Avinu was 75 years old. We've pointed this out many times. And we know that the whole story, all the details of the story from Avram Avinu until 75 is in two or three psukim at the end of Parshas Noyach. Suddenly when he turns 75 and he gets the midst of Lech Lecha, huge detail, right? Lech Lecha, Vayera, then Chayesara, all these parashas. So, the first wedding, which happens between Avois and Imois, between patriarchs and matriarchs, is Yitzchak, Yitzchak and Rivka. Why is it significant? We know that Maestro Avois, similar bonding, what happens between the uh, forefathers is, is, is a precursor to what's happening to the children. Therefore, the Shidduch between Yitzchak and Rivka really symbolizes the Shidduch between Hashem and the Jewish people, right? As every wedding does. But this is the first wedding, Yitzchak and Rivka, it's more foundational. And that's why it's told in such, Arichu is told in such detail. Because it's really a foundational story. It's not just about a marriage between a man and a woman. It's not just a marriage between Yitzchak and Rivka. It really is the precursor, the, 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 the psukim which are detailing, and we'll see later how that works, it's detailing the the relationship between Hashem and the Jewish people, right? So therefore, it's a foundational wedding, it's a very foundational story, and because of that, it's told, Ba'arichus, it's told in great detail. Now, because of that, let's have a look at just a couple of examples. We're going to take us to a deeper level soon, but let's, in the meantime, just take it, just look at a few examples where we see that the story is not just about a wedding between a man and a wife, but it's actually more foundational than that. So I'll just share with you a couple of things. First of all, we find um, a very big emphasis on camels, right? Now, obviously, in those days, camels were the means of transportation in the, in the desert or the land of Israel, whatever the case was. But we find quite an emphasis here on camels, yeah? Look at the postdoc in number, in number three. Oh, sorry, in, num- in number two. Right? Pastor tells us, so Avram Avinu calls Eliezer and he gives him this mission. And then it says, Vayikach ho'eved and the servant took Asara gemalim, ten camels, migemale adoinov from the camels of his master. Vayelech and he went v'choltuv adoinov b'yodoi and all the good, all the wealth of his master with him. Vayokom he got up, Vayelech and he went el aram na'araim to a place called Aram Naraim, El Ir Nochar, which was the city of Nochar, 
which was Rivka's grandfather, Avraham Avinu's brother. Right? The next Pasuk says, he comes there, he comes to that city, and he's looking for a shidduch for, for Yitzchak, Yavrei chagmalim el He causes the camels to crouch, in other words, I don't know what the English word, he, um, he parks them in other words, right? Outside the city, outside the city, next to the well of water, Le'eis Erev, towards darkness, towards evening, Le'eis Tseis Hashoya voice at the time where the water drawers, the, the women who came to draw water, were coming out. Okay? That's what it says. And there's a lot of detail about the camels. So why, why, why is that? So again, bearing in mind, this is a story of the Jewish people. It's not just a, a wedding, it's a story of the Jewish people. So there's a beautiful little vart from Rabbi Yisrael of Mojitz, one of the Mojitz Rebbes. Yeah? Mojitz Rebbes from the early Chassidim. Mojitz was in Poland, no? Yeah. Sorry? I think so, yeah. We have a Mojitz Chassidim today as well. The Taubs, the Taubs come from Mojitz. That's a Mojitz Chassidim, yeah. So he says it there like this, that camels is a sign of kindness. Why? Because the word camels is gamal, right? What's kindness called in Hebrew? Gmilut chasadim. Right? Often we have, like we have, we have elsewhere in the Torah, there's a bird called chasida, which comes to the word chesed, and Chazal says it's called chasida because it does kindness. So the name of an animal represents a certain character, so gamal is the idea of kindness, like gmilut chasadim. So he brings over here an interesting medrash. The medrash says, I'll just read it to you. Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hashem says, Chaviv olai chesed she'atem goimnim ze'im ze'. It's so precious to me, kindness that you do for each other. And the, the word used there is, not that you do kindness, but ligmol chesed, to bestow kindness, from the same word as gamal. So it's precious to me the kindness that you are gomel, you bestow upon each other. Yoiser mikola zevach, more than all sacrifices that you bring in the base of Megdash. And the Medrash continues that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was going in Yerushalayim. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was traveling in Yerushalayim and with, with one of his colleagues. And he saw a boy Rabbi Samigdash. And he saw the Beis Samigdash that had been destroyed. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai lived around the Beis Samigdash, the, the Khurban, right? Yechon Hazakil moved to Yavne just before the destruction, but then he traveled back to Yerushalayim and he saw Beis in ruins. And he said, Woe is to us, this house that has been destroyed. This is the place that atones for all our sins. Yeah? The Beis Hamikdash had a Mizbech, a Mizbech that brought carbon and sacrificed our, our kapara. It's the atonement for all the sins. As we learned last week, that's why there has to be salt on every, on every carbon, because salt is the idea of eyes, and it's the beginning of all sin, whatever the case is, right? So Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai is looking at the base of Mikdosh, and he's saying, Oy lanu, woe is to us. The place of our atonement lays in ruins. We don't have carbonates anymore, we don't have sacrifices. Where are we going to get our, our kapara? Where are we going to get our atonement from? So he says to him, Al yeira alacha, Hashem says to him, don't be afraid. Why? We have another atonement. It is just like the atonement of the Beis HaMikdash. What is that? Gemilus chasod. Yeah. It says the Mojit Rebbe like this. It says, this is the Pasuk. Like the Pasuk says, we have to read the Pasuk differently. It says, Have a look again in number two. Right? Eliezer takes from the camels of his master, which means he took the attribute of chesed from his master. Eliezer takes the chesed of Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu is all about chesed. He parks it. Where does he park the chesed? Outside the city. What's the symbolism of outside the city? Golos. Ir means the city, a reference to Yerushalayim, Ir HaKodesh. Chutz la'ir, outside the city, is the idea of Golos. So he parks the idea of chesed. Eliezer is about to engage in a shidduch over here, which is the 
the Jewish history, the relationship between Hashem and the Jewish people, which is the relationship is ups and downs. We have a relationship with Hashem when we have a Beis Amigdosh, we have a relationship with Hashem when we don't have a Beis Amigdosh. So Eliezer parks the Gemalim, the camels, the Chesed of Avram Avinu, to teach us that we don't have a Beis Amigdosh to atone for us, but we have the attribute of Chesed. And we do Chesed with each other, we atone for our sins. Right? It says, this is hinted in such a beautiful Rashi in Parshas Lech Lecha. You know, every we do the Amidah, right? We say, Elokei Avraham, Elokei Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov, right? God of Avraham, God of Yitzchak, God of Yaakov. Where does it come from? Um, it comes from, give me one second, I'm just going to grab a, 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 here we are. It comes from Parshas Lech Lecha. Rashi brings it, it's the Merdish. So, I don't know the whole thing in front of me, so I'm just going to look up the Pasuk here. Give me one second. Ah, there we go. Yeah. So it says like this. Hashem says three things to Avraham Avinu. I'll make you a great nation. Avorcha will bless you. I'll make your name great. Right? He says, Rashi brings it over there, Hashem was hinting. I'll make you you're a great nation. That's the, that's the source of what we say in, in, in Abidah, Elokei Avram. Vavrecha will bless you, a special blessing. That's the source of Elokei Yitzchok. I will make your name great. That's a reference to Elokei Yaakov. Then the Pasuk says, bracha, but it's going to be a bracha. Says Rashi, what does it mean? Now, it's a separate question of how it fits into all the words, but that's what the Medrash says, right? So it says, so Yochel, you would think, when we say, Elokei Avraham, Elokei Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov, and Shmon Esra. That's the beginning of the bracha. But how are we going to end the bracha? We say, Baruch Hashem, Mogain Avraham, right? So he says, Hashem says to Avraham, you might think that when it comes to the end of the bracha, you're going to put all the three again. You're going to say, Baruch Hashem, Mogain Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, right? Now the language that the, the, the Chazal uses that is Hashem said to Avraham, that we, we might think that you're going to finish with all of them. He says, no. We're going to end with you. We're going to end with you. Literally meaning, we're going to end the bracha with Avraham. It says that the Mojit Rebbe, no, it means something different. Hashem says, there's different things that happen throughout history. But with you, Avraham Avinu, with the middah of chesed, that's how we're going to finish the golas. That in Golis, after the Beis Hamikdash, towards the end, just before Mashiach comes, right, and when it's really dark, how are we going to get the atonement? And how are we going to bring about the Geula? As we know, the Gemara says, "Kedoyla tzedaka, tzedaka is great." Shemekarebes as a Geula, it brings close to the Geula. How are we going to do that? The Chochos, with you. What do you mean with you? With Chesed. So that's what Eliezer is doing over here also. But Yavrech is He's parking the Chesed. Where's he parking the Chesed? Outside, outside the city. When? When it's evening. Which means, when it's evening, as the Zohar says, when it's about to go in to Shabbos. That's what the Zohar says. Ace Erev refers to the end of Golas. Now, because we know that it's six millennia, right? With six days of the week. So late Friday afternoon is Ace Erev. When it's about to be Erev, it's about to be Shabbos. Right? It's about to be Shabbos as Mashiach. When, that's why it says, when the ace Arab towards evening, says the apostle, it's the time of the going out of the water, water drawers. What does it mean, the going out? It's the time when the water drawers, meaning the Jewish people, are going to go out of Golis. And that's where he puts the, that's where he puts the, the Gemalim. To teach us that now, before Mashiach comes, one of the greatest important things is the idea of chesed, the idea of being kind to each other, the idea of inspiring each other, the idea of being, being each other close. Why? Because that's the, that's the atonement now, and that's what brings about the, the, the Geula. That's just one, I'm just sharing you with a nice word in its own right, but it's, it's just an example of how the story is on a foundational level. That's about, not just about a shidduch between a man and wife, it's really the relationship between Hashem and the Jewish people and the entire Jewish history. Another one, we see also another example. Have a look at number three. So he makes the sign with Rivka, she comes out, she gives him to drink, not just him, but all the camels, no one. It says, kasher kilu When it happened, when the camels stopped drinking, when they finished. So he knew he got the right girls. So what does he do? 
By Yikach Ish, the man took out, meaning Eliezer, Nezem Zohov Beka Mishkoloi. He took a nose ring which weighed a beka, it's a type of weight, same like a shekel, half a shekel. Ushnei Tzmidim and two bracelets al Yodel on her hand. Asoro Zohov Mishkolom, each one weighed 10 units of gold. Right? Says Rashi, what is this? Beka Remez Shikle Yisrael. This hints to the shkolim, the machzis shekel. Beka lagulgoilis, which the Pasuk says has to weigh a beka for each person. So he gave her a nose ring, which would be the beka lagulgoilis, hinting to the machzis shekel, which the Jewish people are going, to, are going to bring in the midbar. Turn over, Rashi says, Ushnei tzemidim, two bracelets. What's the two bracelets hint to? Remez lishnei luchais, it's the hint to the two luchais. Why is it a hint to the two luchais? Because bracelets are called tzemidim. But in Hebrew, the word samud also means connected to each other. So the two bracelets were called tzemidim. It hints to the two luchais, says Rashi, which were mitzumodais. They were connected. They were two tablets, but they were joined. Right? And the Pasuk says, Asara Zohov Mishkolam, they each weighed over the page, Ronan, next, the next page. Asara Zohov Mishkolam, the top there. No, another way, no, no, that way, that's it. Right? Ten, ten gold, they were weighted ten gold. Remez la Aseres Hadibrois. That's the hint to the Ten Commandments. Right? So again, he's giving her jewelry, but it's not just giving her jewelry because she's going to be the bride. It's about the things that are going to happen to the Jewish people. The Machtis HaShekel, the Ten Commandments, the Tuluchos, and so on. The Sochach of the Rebbe, the Shem Shmuel, takes it a bit further, and he says an interesting thing. He says that human beings work on three levels in order to get us going to, ins- to inspire good behavior and proper, and, and proper conduct. There are three things that need to happen. He says, one is the Seichel, we need to think, and then we need to feel, and then we need to do, right? We have to think and get our, our heads correct, we have to get uh, our, our values correct, our thinking clear. And then we have to build up passion and emotion. And the passion and emotion inspires action, right? And he says, these are the three things also. So the nez in the nose ring, that's in the head. That was, that was the seichel. That was the idea of, of thinking. Intellect, cog- cognition. The two bracelets is emotion and action. Why they're so similar, he says, because emotion is much closer to, to action than intellect is. Intellect is somewhat removed, which is how it works. Think about something and still detached. You're not actually doing anything yet, right? Once you get excited about something, then you put it into place. So that's why. Those are the three things. So Eliezer is giving Rifka these three things. Again, foundational. It's about how we serve Hashem. That we need to have every three, all three layers of our functionality have to be on board. We have to be able to think correctly, learn and study and understand what Hashem wants from us. We have to then have Avas Hashem and Yeras Hashem. We have to have love and fear of Hashem, build up emotion and passion and excitement, and then put it into action. Those are the three parts of the jewelry. The one nose ring, which is in the head, and the two bracelets, which is passion and emotion, right? So there's another example of how details in the story, not about just a wedding, it's about Am Yisrael, it's about the Jewish people's relationship with Hashem. Okay. However, it goes a little bit deeper than that. It's not just about the history of Am Yisrael. But this marriage between Yitzchak and Rivka is really a formula, right? A formula of how to serve Hashem. Now, that formula is a very difficult formula, which we'll talk about in a moment. To understand this, let's just start with another question. Again, we said why before, but why is this whole tumult, this whole detail and emphasis brought out specifically with Yitzchak and Rivka's wedding. Why? What's, okay, so we said because it was really part of Jewish history already, but what's, what's a deep idea? So let's start with, with the, 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 the following. We find, not just that this is a foundational story, but we find that it's a miraculous story. And we find that this story of Yitzchak and Rivka, I'll give you two examples how we see this. There was a very strong, almost supernatural Revelation of Hashem in the story. Indicating that this story represents something very powerful. So powerful that it needs not the regular brachas from Hashem, but it needs something, something amazing. Where do we see this? First of all, we see it in a very small detail. 
Kfitzas Haderech, right? We find that when Yezer came, he said, he kind, of, he kind of indicated that he left and came on the same day, which was impossible because it was a... Sorry? It's possible. Not possible. Impossible. Yeah. To go from Israel to Ramna Raim is impossible in one day. It takes, I've forgotten, I think it's 14, Chazal tell us how long it takes, but I've forgotten exactly, it's 14 days or something. Right? And why did that happen? Says, says Rashi, Shekof Salehoretz. The Kvitsa Sadarech, as we call it, right? A miraculous shortening of the journey. Right? Why was that so necessary? Okay, there are many, many reasons why it was so necessary because when Rivka became of age and it was important to take her out of Haram, Aram Narayim became urgent. But we see, we see that generally there's a miraculous concept and a sense of urgency. It's, it's like a thing that is happening from Hashem which is very, very powerful. But we find also another amazing thing. Listen to this. And let's have a look at the Pasuk over here. Um, yeah, number four. When he was davening to Hashem, right, and he asked Hashem for a sign, and he's going to ask the girl with the, with the, with the thing, it says, like, it says like, you know, the whole, the whole story with the, with the jug of water and the camels. The Pasuk says the following. So Eliezer is davening. Says the pasuk in number four. He before he finished speaking, before he finished davening, Rifka is coming out. Who is Rifka? ben Milka. She was born to Psul, the son of Milka. Eishas Nocher, the son of the wife of Nocher. Achia Avram, the brother of Avram. V'chada al Shichman. She had a jug on her shoulder. What does it mean before he finished speaking? So the Medrash says like the following. The Medrash says, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai said, there were three tzaddikim, three great people in history, that their prayers were answered immediately. What does that mean? We know that davening, we believe Hashem is listening to our davening. We pray and hope that He listens to us and He grants our requests. He always listens. He doesn't always give us the answer we want, but He, he always listens. But davening helps. We know davening is powerful. But it's not always the answer from the David doesn't always come right away. Sometimes it takes time. Right? It takes time. You know that funny little story they tell about uh, there was a Rav who came from uh, Poland, the Magid. And he was giving drushas, nice drushas, and he came to Germany. The German community is a little bit different, you know. The, and he gave a drush about giving tzedakah. And you know the Germans are very punctual and everything, are they? So he... he and he, he promised him, he said, when you give tzedakah, Hashem always repays, he repays more. Give a very good inspirational Zerosh uh, uh, about giving tzedakah. Well, there's one yid there, simple yid, but you know, doesn't know any chachmas, as I say. Takes everything. The, the Rav said, he gave a lot of money to tzedakah. By the time he gave money to tzedakah, that Rav who gave the drosh, he left, he went back to Poland. He was a wealthy Jew, he gave money to tzedakah, and a couple of weeks later, he has one... One problem after the next, and he loses all his money. You think to yourself, wait, if, if I find this rov, you know. Anyway, this rov back in Poland, he, uh, he, uh, he heard about this, and he was a bit scared of him. He didn't want to meet him. Like, he didn't want to, he heard this guy lost all his money. He said, well, if I meet him, he's going to give me a... Anyway, one time it happened, this rov had to go back to, to, to Germany. He tried to avoid that guy. In the meantime, he didn't realize that that guy actually made it back. And he made it back, not just he made it back, he made it back much more than before. He became much more wealthy than before. Suddenly, he's walking, this Rav's walking down the street, and he sees this, this in the distance, this, uh, this, this Yid. And he thinks, oh, you've all better get out of here. And he starts to run, and he sees, he turns back, and he sees this Yid's running after him. He's running, running, running. He sees, oh, yeah, better. And he's, run, he's running away, and he's running after him. Eventually, this wealthy Yid, he catches up to him, and he thinks, oh, you're vague. what is he going to tell me now? So he tells me, he tells him, he says, oh, no, I'm, I'm happy I caught you. I just wanted to tell you. And he said, like in a, in a German way, he said, as I, your God, is ornklach or benish pintlach. He says, your God, he's honest, but he's not punctual. In other words, you got, you got to tackle the brochi, right? But no, okay. So we find this by davening also. Davening sometimes takes a while, and sometimes we have davening more than once for the same thing, right? I heard once that there was a Siddish Rebbe that said, when you daven, it's like a, a child knocking on the door trying to talk to, to his parents, and he said, you've got to keep knocking until he answers. Okay. Says the, says, says the Medrash of Shem Chai said, but there were three people we found in Tanakh who davened and got an immediate response. Who are they? Eliezer, Moshe Rabbeinu, and Shlomo HaMelech. So Shlomo HaMelech, going back to Shlomo HaMelech, we find when the Beis HaMikdosh was built, everything was ready, and we're waiting for the Shekhinah to come down, it didn't come down. Shlomo HaMelech davened, as soon as he finished, the fire came down. 
Shechina came down. Moshe Rabbeinu was at a, a critical point in the Midbar. Where he was being challenged by Koirach. It was a very terrible story. And Koirach and his men, not only undermining Moshe Rabbeinu personally, but were undermining the whole authenticity of Torah, the truth of Torah, the eternity of Torah, and so on and so forth. So Moshe Rabbeinu daven that Hashem should sow a sign. And if Moshe Rabbeinu was right and they wrong, Hashem should open up the ground and swallow them up. As soon as Moshe Rabbeinu finished, right away, the ground opened up and Koirach went. And Eliezer, Eliezer Davin over there by Rivka, by, by, by thing. And as soon as he finished, before he finished even, Rivka's coming out, right? Three people got an immediate response. However, if you examine this closely, you see that's not exactly the same. Eliezer, who's the servant out of the three, he's not the, the, the tzaddikim out of the three. I mean, he's a great person, but he was just Eved Avram. His tefillah was even more powerful than Shlomo and Moshe Rabbeinu. It says as soon as they finished, that's, their prayers were answered. By Eliezer it says, Right? Before he, before he finished. It was such an unbelievable tefillah that even before he finished, Hashem answered it. And if we take it a step further to actually understand this, in Kabbalah it explains what's the difference between these different tefillahs. Why some tefillahs take time and, and those three people were answered imme- immediately? So, in, we're not going to go into the whole thing in detail, but the concept in short is this. That in Kabbalah it's explained that when a person davens, Hashem answers. But the answer has an evolutionary process. It's what we call in, in Hasidus and in Kabbalah, Seder Hishtalshlus. There's a, a long levels of, of worlds where that bracha has to be translated, evolved from the spiritual into the physical, into less spiritual, less spiritual, until it comes into this world, right? We know it doesn't always come directly. Because there's a system of how the bracha comes straight from Hashem, but how it lowers and lowers and lowers until it evolves into the bracha which we're asking for. Right? By the way, this is one of the ideas of how they answer the famous question. It says in Gemara that Rosh Hashanah, all Yidin are, are, are judged, right? We, we daven and we get answered in Mirza Hashem. Hashem benched us with a good year. But then it says, Adam Nidon Bechol a person's judged every day. So if, if Hashem already decided we're going to have Parnassah, for example, or we're going to have health, right, on Rosh Hashanah, why do we have to daven for it every single day? Why we re-scrutinize every single day? And one of the answers that's given is like this, that when Hashem answers our prayers on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, the bracha is there, but it's there in the spiritual context. It has to go through a process. The bracha every day is that it should go through the process. Because otherwise a person's prayers could be answered, Hashem could grant him Parnassah, but it remains in heaven. It doesn't come down tachlis, Right? That's why we have to daven again. That the bracha that Hashem gave us, Rosh Hashanah, should travel, should keep traveling. Right? Sometimes we have to daven multiple times, so it travels even more. Until it gets to us. But then there's something we call that such a powerful tefillah that it's called, like it says in the Pasuk, Ad Meheiro Yorut Dvore, that Hashem answers immediately because it's such a powerful tefillah that the response is such a great response that it bypasses the system. It bypasses all the steps that has to go down and straight from Hashem down to us and it's done. Right? So those, that's the tefillah of these three great people. But in those three great people itself, as we said, obviously the Eliezer's tefillah was so great and the event was so important that Hashem responded not only when he finished, but before he finished. That's how powerful the tefillah was. That's how powerful the response was. Why is it so powerful? So there's a concept. I'll just mention it briefly in the, the Kabbalistic terminology, but I'll, I'll try more to explain it. That it says that Yitzchak and Rivka represented two names of Hashem called Ma and Ban. And essentially the way it works is like this. We find this by the Ovis and the Moes in general. I, I, last night. Are you there last night? Okay, so you last night I did it more in detail, but I want to take a different angle there. So the Ma and Ban means that Ma represents spiritual purity, essentially. Right? It's got to do with how you spell the name of Hashem. I'm not going to go into that, but it's got to do with that concept. And Ban represents spirituality, the way it interacts with the physical world. Right? Which means it's more relatable spirituality, relatable holiness. It's able to relate to something more mundane and, and, and physical. Another way to put it, the way we serve Hashem, 
We can only serve Hashem if there's the combination between the neshama and the body. Right? And I don't only mean the neshama that keeps the body alive. I mean the neshama, what we call the nefesh alakis, the godly soul, which is the spark of, of, of godliness, right? So, what's the difference between the and the body? The neshama is purity. The neshama is, especially the pintali, the, the, the essence of the neshama. That's just straight purity. It's, it's, it's purity, you know, before the neshama comes down to this body, the neshama is chavuka, uduvuka, bochas, completely one with Hashem. The neshama is pure spirituality. What's the guf? What's the Jewish body? The guf is the body which can take that purity and make it work and reveal it and elevate the physical world, right? Another way it's sometimes referred to is the upper waters and the lower waters. It's a little bit similar also to the concept of we have Torah and we have mitzvahs, right? We explained it last time as well. So Torah and mitzvahs means that when we have Torah, when we learn Torah, Torah is purity, right? That's why the Gemara says Torah cannot be contaminated, right? It can, be, it can become Tomei. That's why a person who is impure is allowed to learn Torah because Torah remains pure. Torah is the word of Hashem. Torah is one with Hashem. Torah remains holy, right? We learn Torah, we're in fact detaching from the world. Right? We're sitting by a shir, we're learning Torah, the world's going on, but we, we're in a cocoon. Right? We're, we're in, a, in, a, in an insulated environment. Davening is sort of more spiritual, spiritual as well, that way. And then you have mitzvahs. Mitzvahs is different. Mitzvahs is about actually applying the Torah to something physical. Taking a candle, lighting a Shabbos candle, taking a, a, a mezuzah and, 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 and a piece of parchment and making it holy. Eating and making a bracha eating for the right purposes, family life, business, whatever the case is, about bringing the Gedusha into the thing. Now, in order to fulfill the mission of the world, this is important, this is where the, this is where the, the point comes across. In order to fulfill the mission of the world, which is to bring Hashem and reveal Hashem in the world, meaning reveal Hashem even in the lowest forms of the physical existence, we need the combination of ma and ban. We need the combination of these two extremes. Why? We need, first of all, to know what we're bringing into the world, which is undiluted godliness, undiluted purity. Right? But if you only have the undiluted purity, that's not going to be revealed in the world because it's undiluted and it's pure, it's transcendent, it's detached from the world. And then you have the ban, the ability to take that undiluted purity and bring it down and apply it and reveal it in the physical existence, in the lowest form of existence. And that is the entire formula of serving Hashem. Combining Ma and Ban. That's why our lives all, is all about Ma and Ban. Why? Our lives is about, we have experiences of complete purity, davening, learning, where we did fasting, Yom Kippur, right? We need those experiences. We need to know what is it that we're actually trying to apply. And then we need to go to leave those experiences and go into the world and apply it in the world. One without the other won't work. If we just remain worldly, if we don't have detachment, detached experiences, then we'll just end up being part of the world. And we won't reveal that, that greatness. So we have to, once in a while, re-anchor, reconnect, reset in the world of complete dilution and spirituality. And then we have to take that powerful spirituality and godliness and go into the world with a mitzvah, go into the world and, and eat properly and do business properly and, and spread Hashem in the world. Right? Same thing, the neshama and the body must become one. Right? Spiritual and the physical need to combine. Heaven and earth need to coexist. That's, that's, that sums up the total mission of what we do in this world. And we have to do both and combine both. It's not so simple. Not so simple at all. Right? Where did this start mainly? This concept started mainly by Matan Torah. Right? Because the Matan Torah, it says Hashem came down on our Sinai. And he said, I am Hashem your God. What does that mean? So it's explained like this. Before the Torah was given, actual, the spiritual and the physical didn't, didn't actually connect. Yes, there could be people that would do mitzvahs, but it didn't actually bring holiness into the world. It didn't change the table. You couldn't take a piece of parchment and turn to mezuzah and the mezuzah would be holy. It didn't work like that before the Torah. 
Why? Because spiritual and physical actually are opposites. This is, this is the greatness of this whole combination. Hashem created a world where actually the physical world is far away, it's distant from the spiritual. Couldn't be different. More different, right? Shemaim and Oret were different. Completely different. They couldn't become one. Hashem gave the Torah and He gave a special power to make them one. That's why you needed an amazing revelation in Matan Torah. Which starts with the words, Anoichi Hashem Olekecha. Say Chazal, what does Anoichi mean? I am. It's Hashem in His essence. It's, it's Hashem. Anoichi, as Chazal say, Anoichi Misha Anoichi. The, the, the greatest level of Hashem appeared on Har Sinai. The essence of Hashem was revealed at Matan Torah because it's only the essence, an undefined essence of Hashem who is completely infinite and He strands higher than both physical and the spiritual. He has no definition. It's only the essence of Hashem, that Hashem in His true essence can bring together the physical and the spiritual. Because it needs that superpower above the physical and even above the spiritual to bring them together. And that's the revelation of our Sinai. Right? However, everything that happens to the Jewish people must start with a story in the Avois and the Imois of the fathers and the mothers. As the Ramban tells us, Maisa Avois Simen Labonim because everything had to first happen in a, in a, in a preview way, in a, like a microscopic way, with the Ovois and the Imois, and that gave the Koyach for it to take place with us, the children, later on in history. So where was the preview of this concept? The marriage of Yitzchak and Rivka. The marriage of Yitzchak and Rivka was very different was very different to the marriage between Avram and Sarah. Why? For two reasons. The marriage of Rivka and, and, and Yitzchak and Rivka really symbolized this concept of the combination of undiluted spirituality, undiluted godliness, and applying it to the physical world in a very, very strong way, much more than Avraham and Sarah. Why? Yitzchak was the extreme Kedusha, and Rivka lived in the extreme neg- negative environment. Right? Yitzchak, you couldn't get pure than Yitzchak at that point. Yitzchak was born in Israel. Yitzchak never left Israel. Yitzchak came to the Akedah and Chazal tell us that he was elevated beyond. He became a carbon, he became a sacrifice on a Mizbech. So much so that Hashem called him an Oilat Mimba, he's a pure carbon and he has no permission to leave the land of Israel. That's how pure Yitzchak was. Representing the purest level of the Neshama. Rivka was all about applying it. It was all about being able to live in the lowest forms of, of, of the physical mundane existence. Where did Yitzchak, Rivka is called Shoshana Bein Achoychim. She's like a rose among thorns. The environment where she lives, Chazal tell us, was the most immoral society. Right? I mean, so much so that the Torah says when Rivka came out to drink the water, the, the Torah has to, it's a very strange thing the Torah does. Rivka, it doesn't say, oh, Rivka came out, she was a girl, she was the daughter of Basuel. Like, introduces Rivka. How does it introduce Rivka? That she was a Basuel, she was unmarried, she never lived with a man. I mean, that's a funny way to introduce someone, right? What it's saying is because it wasn't, it wasn't the custom there. Over there, over there, there was promiscuity. So she was the Chidush, she was the only one. Right? She was, she lived in that, in that, in that unbelievable low form of existence. The Shidduch of Yitzchak and Rivka was bringing together these two extremes. Bringing together the Nesham and the body, the, the Shemaim and Oretz, Yichud, Man, Ban, making sure they work together to fulfill the mission of creation, of being able to reveal Hashem, but not just the highest forms of, of godliness, in the lowest forms of existence. That's why it's such a foundational story. That's why it's told in such great detail. And that's why it needed such powerful, miraculous energy to be all around the story. It was miraculous like Matan Torah. It was a revelation of Hashem's answering the tefillah, similar to Matan Torah, by Kelem Terim Even before he finished davening, boom, a most powerful response from Hashem, bypassing all systems right away, Rivka comes out. Because you needed that unbelievable prayer. Just like with Matan Torah, you needed Anoichi Hashem Aleikacha. You needed Hashem to say, I am Hashem your God, the lowest, the highest form of, of, of revelation to bring together these two forces. So too with the Shidduch Yitzhak and Rivka. 
And another reason that it takes place at this point, with this shidduch is, because this is the first shidduch that happens after Bris Miller takes place. And why do we know about Bris Miller? Bris Miller was another preview to Matan Torah. Because Bris Miller, we know from many Mephrashim, was the only time before giving of the Torah where the physical object of the mitzvah became holy. As we know, right? Because Hashem commanded Avram to circumcise himself and to circumcise Yitzchak. And, and the, the, the physical organ of the Bris Miller became holy even before Matan Torah. So again, the Bris Miller was also part of this process of setting the foundation for Matan Torah and, and, and being able then to set the scene for what would later become the mission of Am Yisrael, which happened inspired by the giving of the Torah. And of course, the lesson that we learn from all of this is, the lesson we learn from all of this is that, number one, that we have to always make sure the way we serve Hashem involves both, form, both forms of that experience. The Yitzchak and the Rivka. We both have to have a marriage with Yitzchak and Rivka. There need to be times in our life where we just escape into purity. To re-anchor, to reconnect, to know what we're doing. And then we have to do the Rivka, taking it and implementing and applying it to our life. One without the other doesn't work. If someone is just cocooned in, in spirituality his whole life, hasn't fulfilled the mission of creation. If someone doesn't set aside time to experience purity, he will also won't be able to, to, to fulfill the mission. It's got to be the combination of both things. Number one. And number two, the lesson is that no matter where you find yourself, even if you find yourself in an environment that appears to be very unspiritual, people often complain, you know, if I was, this, if I was living in a, in a more of a Torah environment, I'd be able to be okay. No. The story tells us not true. It starts with Yitzchak Yitzchak Rivka. That you bring the, through Eliezer, you bring the, the, the Koyach, the power of Yitzchak to be combined with Rivka. Meaning, not only about Rivka, where Rivka was. In Aram Naraim, in a very, very immoral society. And even there, every part of the world is part of that plan to reveal Hashem. And therefore can be done anywhere. It just needs to be done through marrying Yitzchak and Rivka. The more negative the environment is, the more you need the Yitzchak component as well. You need the, the, the experiences of complete Kedusha. And then the power to bring it and apply it to that very low level. And that's why Yitzchak Rivka's story is told in such amazing detail, with such amazing emphasis, because it's so foundational in terms of the formula which we use every single day to serve Hashem. All right, we'll stop there.